are so glad that you are here and you've joined us for the last weekend of the year. And man, uh, who was at the Christmas Eve service uh, at the Barber Room Man this past week? Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. Uh, we have such talented people and so many of you who threw in and you served and you gave in order to make that happen. It was amazing. We had uh, we had over 4,000 people, over 4,600 people attend uh, for our Christmas Eve and over 300 people gave their life to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's, uh, and so it's fun to see that happen in one day and fun to see God to move. Uh, in that, and man, it's been amazing to see the the heart of our leaders, Pastor Matt and Sarah. Uh, they've really uh, cast a vision for reaching out in our community more and more, and as a church. And man, being under their leadership for the past 12 years has been such an amazing journey. And man, I just love them, and so grateful they give me the opportunity to speak to you guys every once in a while, and just even be on this team and be here. Uh, it's absolutely amazing, and uh, so it's been fun. And, and looking forward to 2014. But uh, one thing I am also looking forward to, I'm looking forward to taking down Christmas. Decorations and around next level, we still have them up here, and I still have them down in my house. Uh, and I'm like leaving them up, and I'm eventually we're going to take them down. Um, and so we're just kind of uh, you know really prolonging the Christmas season, I guess, as long as we possibly can. But one thing that has stopped this year, which I'm pretty excited about uh, in our house, is the elf on the shelf. The elf on the shelf, because Santa gets the elf on the shelf when he comes to give presents. He takes the elf with him, right? Um, and so if you don't know what that is, uh, the elf on the shelf is, let me tell you. But if you do know what it is, the reason why you do elf on the shelf is because someone tricked you into doing elf on the shelf. They told you it was awesome, and it's not. And so, and so, but the elf on the shelf basically is a little creepy elf that, that you get in a box, and basically you're supposed to put him on the shelf, and then every night he goes back to Santa to tell Santa how good or bad your kids have been doing. And so, and then when he comes back, you have to move, or he has, he moves, the elf moves every night, which means as parents, you have to remember the elf's supposed to move every night. And if he doesn't, your kids are mad at you and they get freaked out and they think the elf hates them. So you have to move the elf and you have to think of creative ways, but you think that's no big deal. 21 creative ways it's like, oh, he's in this drawer, and now he's in this drawer. Okay, you start to run out of creative ideas as far as the elf on the shelf. Uh, we're actually looking for a way to kill us off next year. Um, <laughs> Because you have to, because here's the reason why, because you have to move them. And so it is, it is like a pressure. And so there, I can't tell you how many nights this, this, uh, this time, this year, uh, that my wife and I are laying in bed and we're laying there or lying there. I don't know the right way to say it, but we're laying in bed. And I'm like, did you move Chippy? Because we named him Chippy because you're supposed to name him. And once you name him, they love him more. So we named him Chippy. And so we lay in there. We're like, do you, you move Chippy? No, I didn't move Chippy. And then you got to go downstairs and think of a creative way at 11 p.m. when you're tired to move the stupid elf and you you just want to hide them, but if you hide them, that means the elf has gone away and does not visit your kids anymore, and your kids will not be okay with that. So the elf on the shelf, I'm really excited. Another another thing about the elf on the shelf, you got to know, I'm just trying to help you parents if you haven't done this yet, you got to know the elf on the shelf has magic. He has magic. And you know how he loses the magic? If you touch the elf on the shelf, you touch that elf on the shelf, and the magic is gone. It is gone, okay? And the, here's the thing, you got to tell your babysitters that, because last year, Elf on the shelf, Chippy took a dive, okay? He took a dive on the floor. Our babysitter went and picked him up, and our kids freaked out, <laughs> freaked out, okay? When their magic elf loses their magic, kids don't, they don't play about that stuff. This means presence. So my kids are like, Chippy, you guys are making the magic, Chippy, oh! And here's what you do, and here's, here's a good thing about Chippy. Here's what Chippy brings for you, okay? You think he brings joy and happiness. He brings you lying to your kids all the time. Because <laughs> when you forget to move them, it's like, oh, Chippy didn't move? 
Did he not go back to Sanders? I don't know. Is he mad? <gasps> no, he's just trying to trick you. <laughs> Chippy doesn't move on Fridays <laughs> or Tuesdays. Our babysitter, when she picked him up and our kids started freaking out on her, and she's like, what's going on with the creepy doll? Okay? And they start freaking out. Like, magic! I'm going to get magic! She's like, no, no, no. No, babysitters can touch them. And we're like, here's an extra five for lying to our kids. Thank you. <laughs> so we're really excited that's gone. I'm serious. Like, we're trying to figure out a way for Santa to write a note or send a video while Chippy was trampled by reindeer so we don't have to do it again. Because we probably, again, my youngest is four. Like, we're in this for the next, like, three or four years. It's awesome. So, um, so, so if you haven't done that yet, I would say don't. So, so our Christmas decorations are still up, but Chippy is gone because on Christmas Day, Santa grabs that little guy and takes him with him. So we're excited about that being gone. But, you know, it's interesting, and I don't know about this, and especially, you know, we talked about we're launching a series called New. Isn't it funny that as soon as Christmas is over and as soon as we have all this hype leading up to it and all the shopping, everything that happens, but as soon as we get to Christmas, isn't it interesting that all of our sights head towards the new year? And all of our minds and all of our thoughts start heading towards the new year and what we're going to do for New Year's and the New Year's resolutions. And it's like our mind clicks over and we kind of click into this New Year's mode and we start thinking about what is new in the new year. Well, what I want to do this weekend is that as, as we're sharing, I actually don't want to look into the new year because we're going to do that as we go into the new series. I actually want us to stay where we currently are on the last weekend of the year. And I want to talk through how we end this year well how we end this year well. And the reason why this is important is because our beginnings are determined by our endings. Our beginnings are determined by our endings. And basically what that means is, that means that if we are going to have an amazing 2014, we actually have to slow down a little bit and try to close out 2013 to the best of our ability. And so I wanna do that today and I wanna talk through how we can close out 2013 so that 2014 is the best year we've ever had. I wanna talk through how we end well. Now, this is important not only throughout our year, but this is important just in our lives. It is important for us to end well. It's important for us to close out one season, well, uh, one season well so that we can enter the next season well. In fact, one of the things that we tell people, if someone starts coming to the next level and you come up to us and you say, hey, I'm from so-and-so church here in town and I used to go there, but I go here. One of the first things that I ask, one of the first things a lot of our pastors ask is, have you talked to the leaders or the pastors of that church? And here's the reason why. We know that in order for you to have the best possible experience here and for God to do everything he wants to do here at Next Level, we think it's important for you to end your season there well. And so we encourage you, go back and have a conversation with the leader, go back and have a conversation with the pastor before you come here. And that's true in every area of life. I think that if we are going to begin well, we have to first end well because our beginnings are determined by our endings. Now, for a lot of us, and I don't know if this is true of you, but for a lot of us, we have a difficult time ending things well. In fact, in fact, I've heard a lot of different stories. I heard a guy who, who had, had lost his job, but he was on vacation. He didn't even know he lost his job until a coworker called him, and he's like, hey, man, why'd you quit? He's like, I didn't quit. I'm on vacation. He's like, well, the boss said that you quit, and basically he fired him and didn't tell him. Like, 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 you know how, like, we, those, we have times in our lives where things just don't seem to end very well. I know for some of us, that's true in our relationships, right? That we have different relationships that don't end so well. And we send a text message, or we send a note, or we change our Facebook profile status without them knowing that we broke up with them, right? I mean, we just have different times where we, and for some of us, we look back, and we look at a marriage that ended. And it didn't end so well. 
it didn't end very good. And not that we should necessarily still be with that person, but we look back and go, man, I don't, I'm not sure I ended that season of my life. Well, maybe it was a business deal. And you got in, and you and your friends got in. You thought it was going to be amazing. But the way that you ended that, man, it just did not end well. And when we end things poorly, because it's easier to end things poorly than it is to end things well, when we end things poorly, we tend to want to leave those things behind. And we want to push them in the back of our mind, and we don't want to think about them. But if we don't address them, and if we don't talk about it, we don't talk about how to end our end different seasons of our life well, we won't truly be able to begin the next seasons well. And that's true of our year. So today we're going to talk about how to end this year well, how to end 2013 well. Now, in order to do that, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to look back into the first new year that has ever recorded, the first new year celebration, essentially, that's ever recorded. It's about 3,400 years ago, okay, 3,400 years ago, and it's recorded in the book of Leviticus in the Bible, which is the third book of the Bible. And if you're like, Leviticus? Is there a book in the Bible called Leviticus? There is. It's 1 through 3, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. If you start in Leviticus, you won't get through it. So I'm just telling you, it's, it's not one of those like, wow, this is amazing. It's like, wow, there's a lot of numbers in this book. But, but in Leviticus, um, it is basically recorded the first New Year's ever, and God essentially speaks to the Israelites and says, hey, as you start this year off and as you end this year, let me tell you a couple things that are going to help you. And the reason why I think it's important for us to look at is because it, because it will help us as we're looking at our new year as well. So God speaks, and God speaks to Moses and Aaron. And some of you guys have heard the story of Moses and Aaron. Basically, Moses and Aaron led the Israelites out of slavery and became the rulers of Israel. So Moses was basically in charge of the nation of Israel, and God would speak to him, and Aaron was the priest. He was the first priest in Israel. So, so they're in this New Year's, uh, New Year's uh, time and their New Year celebration, and God speaks to Aaron the priest. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out, and I want you to bring two goats. I want you to bring two goats. And so Aaron went out, and he got two goats. Now, I decided in order to help us today, I decided to also bring two goats, okay? Two goats, because you guys are like, oh, goats. These are a lot cuter. And someone said, why don't you have a live goat on stage? Uh, because you've never been around a live goat on stage. That's why I didn't have a live goat on stage. Um, but but, it, but, but God's, God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get two goats. And I want you to bring them, he says, essentially to, to the, the tent of meeting. Here's what it says in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 7. He says, then he is to take the two goats. Aaron's supposed to take the two goats and, and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And the tent of meeting was essentially the tabernacle or the modern day church for them, if you will. But it was in a tent. That's why it's called the tent of meeting. He has to cast lots for the two goats, one for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. So he would take these two, they'd put them at the entrance of this church, enter into the tabernacle, and they would essentially, in our day, flip a coin or they would cast lots, a little more complicated, but they would cast lots and one of the goats will be chosen to be the goat of God, and the other would be chosen to be the scapegoat. And they would take the goat of God, and they would take him, and they would sacrifice him. And the reason why they would sacrifice the goat is because one of the things that God set up between himself and mankind is that every time there is sin, there has to be a death. Every time there is sin, there has to be a redemption for sin. That, that every time we sin, there is somewhat of a consequence that is going to come from God. And God said that consequence is death. But God, in all of his mercy, and because he loves us, said, okay, but that death doesn't necessarily have to be you. You can take an animal, and you can sacrifice an animal, and when you sacrifice that animal, there will be forgiveness of sins. There will be forgiveness of your sins. 
So Aaron would go and he would take this, take this, the, the, the goat of God, and he would sacrifice that. And in verse 10, it says, but the goat chosen by, by lot as a scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it to the wilderness as a scapegoat. Here's essentially what would happen. This goat would go and it would get sacrificed. And then this goat would be sat at the front of the tent of meeting, the front of the church. And the Israelites would come. And here's what they would do. They would come by and they understood what a scapegoat was. And a scapegoat was essentially something that would take their sin away. And they would walk up and they would look at the goat. And they would look at the goat and they would remember all the sin. And remember all the guilt. And they would remember their shame. And they would look at the goat. And they would go, I lied this past year. It's on the goat. I cheated this past year. It's on the goat. I stole this past year. It's on the go. I did some things that were just not right. Did some things that I should not have done. I'm going to put it on the go. And they would put their sin and put their shame and put their guilt on the goat. And people would walk by. And the goat meant something different from every person. And they would put their sin on the goat. And then verse 21 talks about Aaron. It says, Aaron, who is the priest of the day, says, Aaron is then to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. So basically, people would put their sins onto his head, and then Aaron would walk out after he sacrificed this goat. He would walk out with this goat, put his hands on it, and essentially, here's what he did. I know his sin. It's on his head. I know her sin. It's on his head. I know their sin. It's on the head. I know all the sin of the Israelites. Him, him, her. It's on the head. And corporately as a nation, some things that we've done. It's on his head. And and, and, and people would put their sin on the goat and, and the priest came out and it was like he sealed the deal and said, okay, all of the things that you confessed. It's on the head. And he would put them on the head of the goat. And then look at this, and I love this. And he said, he shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. And the goat, listen to this, because this is so amazing. And this is just like, 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 can you imagine being there for this? The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a remote place. And the man shall release it in the wilderness. Now think about this. Here's what the Israelites would do. They would take the goat and they would sit him at the door. And he'd be standing there. And people would walk by. And they don't remember all the shameful things they did that year and those things that caused guilt and that thing that was carrying on them and the thing that was holding on to them. And that, and that regret, you know that regret? Like when I say, what's your greatest regret? And it comes to the front of your mind, you try to push it back of your mind, push it back of your mind, push it back of your mind because it just hurts and it causes so much pain. That, they would stand before that goat and go, that's on the goat. And then someone would come and they tied something around his neck and they'd start walking out of the city. And then that person would, would put the goat or put their guilt and put their shame on the goat, would watch the goat walk out of the city and watch their sin walk away. And can you imagine thinking, okay, is this true? Could this be true? Is this possible that the sin, the shame, the guilt that I've been carrying, is it possible that's actually leaving right now? And watch the goat. And the goat would walk away, walk on the road. And I don't know where this was, but can you imagine the goat going over a hill and their sin being gone? forever. That God essentially said, sacrifice, this is forgiveness. But the scapegoat, 
This is freedom. The sacrifice is forgiveness of sin, but the scapegoat, this is from freedom, from guilt, and shame of the things that we did. Because here's what God knew, and here's what God wanted in the first New Year celebration recorded. He knew that if his people were going to walk as he wanted them to walk, and I think the same is true with us, if we're going to walk as we need to walk, that we need to walk into this new year with forgiveness and with freedom. Now, here's, uh, if you're new to the church thing or new to this at all, you're going, okay, Mike, 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 this is 3,400 years ago. Like, how does this even apply to us? How does this even apply? This is 3,400 years ago, and if I understand it right, and if you're Jewish, you know this, this is all Jewish tradition. This is what they do at Rosh Hashanah. This is what they do at the Jewish New Year. What does this have to do with us? Well, let me just, let me just kind of clarify that a couple ways. One, essentially, Judaism was the baseline for Christianity. When Jesus came onto the earth, when he stepped onto the scene of the earth, he was Jewish. That Jesus essentially came and he opened the gates for everyone who's not Jewish to essentially be brought in. So that's part of the reason why this is important for us. But also, the reason why the, these goats were there is to bring forgiveness and freedom. The reason why God sent Jesus onto the earth is to bring forgiveness and freedom. And in fact, there's a time when Jesus is walking through and a prophet named John the Baptist, he says this. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world... And everyone in that day understood it because they understood the sacrificial system. When he said the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he was referring to lambs that were killed in sacrifice. That he was to be the sacrifice to take away the sin and bring forgiveness. And Hebrews 10, it says, And since we have a great priest talking about Jesus over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience that Jesus came to do he came to bring forgiveness and he came to bring freedom and when Jesus died on a cross and he rose again he brought those things and they are available to each one of us and maybe you're new to church and this is all new and the God thing's new and someone tricked you into coming because it's last year and they said oh this is kind of like Christmas and you're just here because you think it's kind of like Christmas let me just say this (laughs) I know God 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 so wants to be in relationship with you, and he wants to bring forgiveness and freedom into your life. He wants you to live your life forgiven, and he wants to live your life free. And the guilt and the shame and the things that are on your shoulders right now, Jesus so desperately wants you to be free from those things. And he wants you to enter the next year different than the way that you are, that, that you are ending this year. And he wants you to end this year well. So if we're going to end this year well, and if we're going to end well in, in 2013 so that we can have an amazing 2014, what do we do? Well, essentially, we, we have to do two things, two things to end with this year. The first one is uh, end with repentance, end with repentance. And repentance is essentially us confessing and repenting to God about the sin in our life. It is essentially as if the goat is there and we are, we are putting our sins onto the goat. And when Jesus died on the cross for us, he essentially took the sin of mankind. He took our sin. And what we have to do is we have to confess it. First John 1 John 1.9 said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us of our sins and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we confess, when we repent, we're putting the sin onto Jesus. And he carried that to the cross 
for us, and we have to end with repentance. Now, I did something when I was 14 years old that was probably the worst thing you've ever heard of. So I'm going to prepare you right now and just tell you so you're not shocked and freaked out. Probably the worst thing you've ever heard of. When I was 14 years old, I stole from my grandma. Yeah, yeah, I know. I told you it was bad. Stole from my grandma. Okay, I was 14. I, I had gotten caught in a rut. I was stealing from a lot of people. I thought it was easy. Felt terrible about it. A couple weeks later, I returned everything I stole and did it anonymously so that she never knew. And my dad never knew. And no one ever knew. But I knew. And I carried that with me. And a few years ago, I, I, I returned it. But a few years ago, I realized I had never told my dad. And my grandparents have since passed away. But I realized I've never told my dad. I've never confessed to him. I've never told him, hey, dad, remember? And it was a stepmom, but, but still. And I'm like, you remember that time? That like they asked and you asked about stealing stuff. You remember that time? Hey, Dad, that was me. And I called him and I told him. You know what he said? I knew. Your sister told me. (laughs) He knew the whole time still chose to love me. He still chose to love me. And the same is true with God. He knows what you did. He knows how you messed up. He knows the sin in your life. He still chooses to love you. He still chooses to care about you. He still has a plan for you. He says, if you confess your sins, if you come to me, if you tell me the things that I already know, there will be forgiveness. If we want 2014 to end right, we have to end with repentance. So here's my question for you. What is the sin in your life that you need to repent of? What are the behaviors in your life that you're doing right now that you need to get away from? How are you treating some people that you know is not right and you need to change? What do you need to repent of? What do you need to turn away from this year so that you can enter next year and set it up for the, to be the best year ever? So we have to end with repentance. The second thing we have to end with, we have to end with forgiveness. End with forgiveness. That there's one thing to confess. And I think if you've been around church for a while, you get this. And you've heard the verses, and we confess our sins, he'll forgive us. I think we get this. Here's what I think we miss. I think we miss that he'll forgive us of our sins, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think we miss that. In fact, here's what I think to kind of go with the illustration. Here's what I think we do. I think we understand that Jesus is a sacrifice, and he has forgiven us of our sins. But I think that we essentially, we put our sin on, let's just say, the goat. Let's just say that. And you know what we do? We, we put a string around the goat's neck, and we take it home, and we tie it up in the backyard. Or, or maybe just for this illustration, because this is a toy goat, we, we take this with us everywhere we go. And although we have been forgiven, and we're confident we're forgiven, and Jesus has forgiven us, we're confident of that, we still carry it with us. And there's still guilt from the way that you parented your kids. There's still guilt from the way that you treated her. There's still guilt from the way that you treated him. There's still guilt from what you did in that time and that season for what you did. And you don't even let it go. You just hold it on to you. And, and somewhere, someone told you, and I'm telling you, it was probably a religious figure. They said you were supposed to feel terrible about it all the time. They were supposed to feel bad about it all the time. And I told you that, and you believe that, and you just carry this guilt with you, and you don't think that you can get rid of it. But God wants us to walk into this new year forgiven and free. This past Christmas, one of the funny things that my mom does, um, it's not funny to me, it'll be funny when I'm older, but it's funny right? It's funny to her right now. She always gives my kids these really noisy toys. 
And then I call her. I'm like, Mom, you keep giving these noisy toys. We're going to throw them away. And she just laughs because she thinks it's funny to get my kids noisy toys. And so she got my boys these little guns that they're probably a $2 deal, but little guns. But they basically make us all the time. Okay, so that's how you feel. So if you're like, wow, it's annoying, it is annoying all the time. It's one of those toys that, like, after five minutes, you're like, all right, boys, go outside. Go play. Go somewhere. It's that toy, right? So, so Christmas Day, they're playing with this toy, and they're doing it. And my four-year-old goes up, and, and the top of our stairs, we have this little loft thing, and it looks, overlooks this, our living room, and he takes this little gun, and he throws it, and it lands on the tile, and it explodes. And again, it's, it's a $2 deal. I can't put it back together. And I pick it up. And you know what I do as a dad? Well, I'll tell you what I don't do as a dad. I don't take that gun and set it on the counter. And every time he walks by, I go, hey, Brighton, Brighton, hey, 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 hey. Remember, you broke it. Hey, 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 Did you forget about the gun? Hey, I know you guys are playing. Hey, come here for a second. Come here. Remember, you broke this. I don't put it in a prominent place so that every time he walks by it, he sees it and he remembers how bad of a kid he is or how he messed up or what he did. You know what I want to do as a dad? I want to hide the gun. I want him to forget that he broke it. I want him to forget that he ever had it because I don't want him to continue to live with that guilt and pain in his life. And our Heavenly Father is the exact same way. He doesn't want you to walk with that. He didn't want you to live with that. He didn't want you to carry that everywhere you go and be reminded everywhere you go. He does not want that for you. He wants you to be forgiven and he wants you to be free. And you could walk into 2014 free. So what is the guilt that you carry? What is the shame that you're carrying? What are those regrets that you're carrying that you're just holding onto and you haven't been able to let go of? I believe that God wants to free you from those things and he wants to do that now so that you don't walk into 2014 that way. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask the band to come out and they're gonna come out and I'm actually gonna ask them to uh, spend some time out here and they're gonna sing a song. And as they sing a song with us, um, they're going to, uh, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend some time with God. I want you to talk to him. I want you to ask yourself a couple questions. Is there anything that I need to ask forgiveness for? Is there anything I need to ask repentance of? And if, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, this could be your moment to cross that line and say, okay, I need to start following him. And I'm telling you, his plan is amazing. It is absolutely just, it's going to blow your mind if you start following him. But this is your time to ask and say, God, I am a sinner. I have messed up. I need forgiveness. And I want to start following you. This is your moment for that. But you can ask yourself, what do I need, what do I need to ask forgiveness for? What do, I, what do I need to be asked repentance of? What do I need to confess right now? Then another question I want you to ask as they're singing over us is, where do I need to forgive myself? Where's the guilt that I'm carrying right now? Where's the guilt in my heart? Where's the guilt in my life? Where's the shame? And allow yourself to put that on Jesus and to put that on him. And to say, Jesus, when I walk outside this door, I'm not carrying that anymore, and I'm going to walk into the new year free. So let's spend some time together. We're not dismissing. We're not done. We're, we're going to close here in a couple minutes. But I want us to take this time and to spend it with Jesus. Let me pray for you, and then we'll sing. Father, we thank you that you are a loving, heavenly Father who wants us to live in forgiveness and freedom every day of our life. So, God, we pray that you would, you would help us to work through the things that we need to repent of. And God, help us to work through the things that we need to forgive ourselves of and release the guilt. And Father, we ask that you would help us or bring those things to light so that we can confess those things. We can walk in your forgiveness and walk in your freedom. 
And God, as our beginnings are determined by our endings, we pray that you would help us to end this year well and end this year tonight well. It's in your name we pray. Amen.